0: Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher. I'm at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your family, your household are doing well. We are in the subject of uh, um, the blood covenant. And, uh, and we, yesterday we talked about uh, point eight of why the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant. And that's what we are continuing on. And we will continue on this uh, for a couple more days. But point number ten, the tenth reason why the New Covenant is far greater than the Old Covenant is this. It says, in the Old Covenant, living is by works, while in the New Covenant, living is by faith. That's another big difference between the Old and the New covenants. In the Old Covenant, living is by works, and in the New Covenant, living is by faith. And Galatians three verses ten to eleven says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But but uh, but that no man is justified in the sight in the uh, by the law in the sight of God. For it is evident that just shall live by faith. In the Old Covenant, it is entirely by works, the works of the law. That's what it means. You have to do the works of the law, and uh, you have to try to please God by the works of the law. And, of course, nobody can ever be justified by by the works of the law. Romans chapter 3 tells us very clearly, it says that no man can ever be justified by the works of the law, because the works of the law only makes you conscious of sin. And uh, if you want to uh you know and and uh, this is a very key thing uh in the life of faith where we live by righteousness consciousness rather than sin consciousness that means that we have to be conscious of the fact that we have been made righteous through the blood of jesus christ and sin consciousness is actually living under a continuous thing of guilt and condemnation because of our own shortcomings and uh, but really, you know, if we were to look at our shortcomings, we are all, I mean, none of us is perfect. If we were always to look at our at our own shortcomings, we would always fall short. We would always live guilty. And that is what sin consciousness is. Sin consciousness is when a man looks at himself and uh, who he is and what he is is really, you know, he looks at himself alone. But righteousness consciousness is when a man doesn't look at himself But he looks at Jesus Christ who has redeemed him and who has purchased him by his own blood and made him righteous because, not because of my works, but by the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. So when I look at myself uh, through the lens of what Jesus has done for me upon the cross, when I look at my own life, not looking at myself, but I look at myself in christ in the light on the view of what jesus christ has done for me that is called living by righteousness consciousness that means that i have been made righteous and uh, i have been made righteous i've been justified by the blood of jesus and i'm loved and accepted by god and that is actually called living by faith living by faith is by living is actually living by what Jesus has done for me. But now some people, you know, uh, that's one of the things I dislike. They say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And there's a truth to that. Yes, because left to ourselves, we are sinners. That is true. If, If you leave me to myself without Jesus, then I am a sinner and I am nothing without Jesus. That is true. But the point is that I'm not without Christ. I'm, I am in Christ. I'm a part of Christ. And the Bible says that my life is hidden in Christ, in God. And because my life is hidden in Christ and I am in Christ, that's why I don't look at myself in my flesh. Because if I look at my flesh, I would say like the Apostle Paul, in my flesh is nothing good. And that, that is a truth. But that is not where I live. Where I live is what Christ has done for me. So that is called the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by his faith. And faith always looks at the finished work of Jesus and acknowledges that that and speaks it out with his mouth. And faith always says that I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'm healed by his stripes and I am blessed with every blessing in Christ. I have been made holy and righteous and blameless because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That is the just living by his faith, living by his faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, the eleventh reason why the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant is that the old covenant is a shadow. It's a type and a shadow, while the new covenant is the reality. The old covenant is the type and the shadow, while the new covenant is the reality. Now in Hebrews 10, let me read Hebrews 10 verses 1 to 18. So please listen to this carefully because all this is in the scripture, okay? So um, in these teachings I'm trying to do, I'm actually expounding the scriptures to you so that the scriptures, let the scriptures speak. And uh, it says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of these things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Okay? So the law has a shadow of the good things that are to come. It's talking about what's going to come through Christ. Okay. Then it says, for then they would not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscious conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Now, this is fascinating because it talks about the law and there's several things here. There's actually a lot of things here, but the things that I want to point out are the following right in the first verse. It says the law is actually a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those things. That means the law is not those things themselves, right, but they are a foreshadow. It's a, it's a shadow of that which is to come. That means the law is a, is a shadowy representative of the reality which is to come. But the law is not the reality. The reality is going to be found in Christ. When Jesus comes, in him is the fulfillment of the law. But the law in itself is not the reality, it's not the fulfillment, it is the fulfillment is in Christ. Okay? And then he says the law, because it is a shadow and not the fulfillment. It says it can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the commerce there unto perfect. That means those those people who come to the altar under the law and offer sacrifices for their sins year after year after year because the law is a shadow and not the, uh, not the very thing in itself. The law doesn't have the power to, to to make those people who come to its altars with their sacrifices cannot make them perfect. And then he says, because if the law could, if keeping the law, if making those sacrifices under the law could make people perfect, for then would there not be ceased to be offered? That means why would there be any need for sacrifices year after year? If you made one sacrifice and you are accepted by God, And boom, that's the end of it. You have been made righteous before God because of that sacrifice. He says, no, that's why it doesn't happen. That's why they have to come year after year after year to make those sacrifices. And then he says, but also in verse three and in those sacrifices, those annual sacrifices, there's actually also built into it is a remembrance of sins every year. That means every year when you come to make that sacrifice, Firstly, not only does that sacrifice not cleanse you, but also that sacrifice also reminds you that you are a sinner and that you need cleansing. That sacrifice actually reminds you that you're a sinner and you need cleansing. And why? Because in verse 4 it says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats shall take away sin. He says, it's just not possible that the blood of sacrificial animals would take away sins. Now that's the old covenant, which is the shadow. Now the next verse, uh, verse five talks about while well, the new covenant is the reality. It says, wherefore, when he comes into the world, he says, that is Jesus. When Jesus comes into the world, this is what Jesus says, sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body has thou prepared for me. He said, God." You don't want any sacrifices, but you have given me a body. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have no pleasure. You have no pleasure in those offerings which are offered as burnt offerings upon the altar. You are not pleased with those. But then I said, Lo, here I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. That means the Old Testament has prophesied about me. Here I come to do your will, O God above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin you don't want neither has thou pleasure therein, which are offered by the law and then said he lo I come to do thy will that is Jesus says here I am to do your will O God he takes away the first that he may establish the second so what he's doing is when Jesus says that Lord, sacrifices and burnt offerings and all these animals upon the altar, these Old Testament stuff. He says, you are not pleased with those things, but you have given me a body. He's talking about my body to be sacrificed as a perfect offering. He says, he says, but a body has you prepared for me, and I have come to do your will. I have come to be a sacrifice. I have come to die. That's why John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And so he says, when jesus said lord i have come this is my paraphrase when jesus said lord here i am with my body to be offered as a sacrifice what he does he takes away the first that is the old covenant that he may establish the second so what is he talking about he takes away the old That means the old system of ritual sacrifices and burnt offerings year after year after year that could never cleanse the people from their sins, never cleanse their conscience, and could never please God and only serve to remind people of their sins year after years. He says that old thing, that old covenant, he is taking away so that he may establish the second and the second is this one sacrifice of Je- that Jesus made of his body through which mankind, everyone who, of, of mankind who comes to him is cleansed once and for all. And there's no more animal sacrifices needed for cleansing of sin. That is why the New Testament, New Covenant is greater than the Old Covenant. Anyway, but this is, this is good. I like this. Verse 10 by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all so through this you and i we have been sanctified and cleansed through the offering of the body of jesus christ once and for all so jesus gave his own body as a sacrifice he was crucified upon the cross of calvary and through that one sacrifice you and i have been sanctified we have been cleansed once and for all and there's no other sacrifice that is needed and verse 11 and every priest standeth daily Ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. That means all these priests, you know, all these Levites, these priests, they will stand every day ministering, offering sacrifice, the same thing they do every day sacrifice for this, sacrifice for that. Someone's child has been born, sacrifice an animal. Someone needs this, sacrifice an animal. There's a sacrifice for this, sacrifice for that. So they are. If you read the Old Testament, you see there were sacrifices for, uh, apart from the once a year sacrifice, there were sacrifices for all kinds of things. So the temple was a bloody place. There were sacrifices going on every day. And he says, and all these sacrifices, they can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. So he says all these priests stand every single day at the temple making sacrifices and the same thing again and again and again. It's making sacrifices that can never take away sin. But this one man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, just one sacrifice of himself, his own body forever, he sat down at the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies being made his footstool. He's waiting for the time when Satan and all the demons everything shall be under his feet for by one offering he has perfected forever them are them that are sanctified. That means by one offering he has perfected us and perfected actually here means he has brought us to fullness brought us to maturity. Hallelujah. And that is That is why, as I said yesterday, we don't go around confessing that, you know, oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace because a person who has been brought to maturity and fullness in Christ, he will not go around and say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. What he will say is that I had been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. I have crossed that line. I belong to Jesus. My life is hidden in Christ, in God. I'm born again. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away and all things have become new. That is the voice. That is the voice of a man who knows he has been redeemed, who has crossed that line and he never goes back, never looks back at himself and says, oh yeah, yeah, I was a sinner. No, I've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, and uh, he says, uh, for by one offering he has perfected for them ever, forever them that are sacrificed, uh, sanctified. That means by that one offering he has totally, totally brought us to a place where we are accepted by God and we are perfected and sanctified once and for all. It is done. It is finished. That's why Jesus said, "It is finished." Hallelujah. And then it says. Uh, verse fifteen, Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us? The Spirit of God bears witness for after that he has said before, then then you know he has done this for us, and then after Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost witnesses, okay, And this is the witness. This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and their minds, and I will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering from sin. So what happens is that because the blood of Jesus has totally remitted, taken care of our sins, washed away our sins, there's no more offering for sin that is needed. And he says, the Holy Spirit, he will take the laws of God. He will write those laws into our minds and that he does through the word. Through the word, the Holy Spirit imparts the law of God in our hearts. And so uh, we, we desire to do the will of God. We desire to do the work of God. We desire to do the things, to live in a way that please the Father. And we do that. And then it says, and their sins and the iniquities will I remember no more. The Father doesn't remember our sins he chooses to forget our sins our iniquities and because he has removed them as far as the east is from the west and he doesn't remember them you know many times we come to God with something we did years ago and we have confessed a million times and God will say I don't even remember what you're talking about because God has totally erased them from his memory because we are new creation in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away and all things have become new. And uh, that, you know, that is the revelation of God, the power of the new birth. He says, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things have become new because of the grace of God alone. And we embrace that. And so that is why we understand that God doesn't remember our sins anymore because all things have passed away. All things have become new and we... Live in the new. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, uh, the next reason, the 12th reason why the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant is this. <coughs> the old covenant is a covered glory while the new covenant is glory uncovered. The old covenant is covered glory while the new covenant is glory uncovered and says in 2nd Corinthians three thirteen to 18 and not as Moses which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is established but their minds were blinded for until this day remain the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament which veil is done away in Christ but even unto this day When Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what he's saying is that, you see, when Moses came down from the mountain, with the tablets of the Ten Commandments Uh, it says that when he came down from the mountain uh, when the children of Israel met him they couldn't look at his face because uh, the glory of God was shining in his face and the glory was so blinding was so bright that so what Moses did is that he put a veil over his face Uh, the reason he covered his face uh, was because uh, then he could speak to the people and the people could face him. So it is glory, but it is covered glory, the glory of God. The glory of the old covenant was covered glory. So Moses came back with the glory of God, and then uh, he covered his face. But then what happened is that uh, the Bible says that that glory began to fade. It it was fading glory Uh, uh, as it began to fade, but Moses still kept the veil on his face. And I don't know why, but some people say, he kept the veil on his I remember one of my Bible school teachers said that he kept the veil upon his face because now he didn't want to, to the people to see that the glory was fading. Now I don't know, but that was his interpretation. but the thing is that uh, the point is he came down from the mountain with the glory of God upon him, and it was so blinding that the people couldn't face him, and so he covered his face with a veil, and so he spoke from behind the veil. So, so what happens is that uh, verse 4, but their minds were blinded and unto this day remained the same veil untaken away in the reading of the old covenant, which veil is done away in Christ. So he said that veil spiritually, it still remains over over them because when the old covenant is read, they still can't see through that veil. They cannot see the glory of God. And it says verse 15, but even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. That means these people when they, uh, and and you know, in general, uh, you know, when these people read the Old Testament, it's like a veil upon them, upon their faces. Like they read Isaiah 53, uh, and they see the um, the suffering, bleeding Messiah, and they don't see that is Jesus. You know, we, we see in the Gospel of John, it says, uh, you know, when Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you I believe it's in John 439. I believe it's in 439. He says, you people search the scriptures because you think, you believe that in them you have eternal life, yet you don't see me. So It's interesting that they they believe the Bible, they believe the Scripture, they believe the Old Testament Scriptures, and they search the Scripture because they believe that in the Scripture they find life. But when Jesus, who is life himself, who is the living Word, stood before him, they didn't recognize him. They didn't see that this... uh, word that we are reading. He is standing before us, the living word. They didn't see him. Why? It's because when they read the Old Testament, the veil was upon their upon their faces. You know, it just covered them. But it says, verse 16, Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. So when these people are going to turn to the Lord, And uh, uh, he says, the veil shall be lifted up. The veil shall be lifted up. He says, now the Lord is that Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When that veil is removed and the Holy Spirit is there and that's where the Spirit of the Lord is and there's freedom and there's liberty. And he said, verse 18, but we all with open face, with unveiled faces, we behold as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. He says that we with unveiled faces, we behold the glory of the Lord. And as we behold the glory of the Lord, we are changed from glory to glory by that same Spirit, hallelujah. So as we stand before God, and uh, we with unveiled, uncovered faces and we see Jesus in his fullness and we worship him and honor him and glorify him. What happens? We behold the face of Jesus and we are changed and we go from glory to glory. And the interesting thing, uh, I've not written it in my notes, but the, the Lord just brought it to my remembrance, is that, you see, when the books of the Bible were written, there were no... Uh, chapter or verse divisions that were put in there by the translation. So uh, this scripture uh, in verse 18 and the next verse is the first verse of the second chapter and this what it says. So let me read the two verses together. But we all with open face beholding as a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And then verse says that seeing that we have received this ministry so that is that is fantastic so it says we as we with open faces unveiled faces and it's the holy spirit that has removed the veil we behold in a glass the glory of the lord and we see the glory of the lord and as we behold the glory of the lord we are changed from glory to glory and then it says seeing that we have this ministry and that's interesting the first ministry of the believer is not to preach the gospel but the first ministry of the believer is to minister to the Lord and to stay at his feet and to behold the face of Jesus and to be transformed into the image of Christ you know conformed into the image of Christ because many people think when when God calls us to the ministry the first thing he wants to do for us to preach the gospel no that is not your primary calling the your primary calling for you and for me is with an unveiled face with an un you know nothing hidden between you and god that means that uh, knowing that we are made righteous and holy and that we are not living in sin that we are not harboring any secret sins but everything is laid out in the open even our weaknesses and our faults and our you know our shortcomings and our failures they are all laid out before the lord and 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 just washed away in his blood and nothing hidden and we worship god with open faces and as we behold the face of jesus by that spirit of god our we are our faces are transformed so we begin to make look more and more like him and we are transform and we go from glory to glory and that is the ministry we have received he says seeing we have received this ministry and that we fail not but have renounced the hidden things of uh, of of, of uh, uh, deceitfulness etc so what happens is that that's why he says that when we are before the lord and we are being transformed from glory to glory and we recognize that this is my ministry my first ministry is to be before Jesus and just be more and more like him. And be transformed from glory to glory. Seeing we have this ministry, the more we are like Jesus, the more we renounce those hidden things of deception and deceit and all those other things, they just have to go and I live before, live my life in the light of God, hallelujah. That is the glory of the new covenant. The old covenant never, Offered that. The old covenant never put this before them. The old covenant was all about the works of the law, the works of the law. But the new covenant, it transforms us, takes us from glory to glory, and transform, transforms us into the image of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, which is the ultimate goal of our lives. Anyway, well, we'll continue again tomorrow. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray for my brothers and sisters thank you for your hand upon their lives. Use them mightily. Bless them, Jesus. Be glorified. Lord, if there's anybody who is sick, I ask you to touch them, to heal them. Father, do miracles in their lives. And Lord, protect and keep and bless all of us. And may we be strong and serve you, Father, with purity And as you do your work in us in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.